Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, God is good. <laughs> I love it. Some of you just know, just to say all the time. It's good. And today is a good day because God is good, isn't it? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Welcome here. Uh, so I'm Greg Clark. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, it's exciting to be with you this morning. Awesome. I was chatting with my mom the other day, and we realized it's been two and a half years since we've seen each other face to face. And we would usually see each other about every nine months or so. Um, and COVID just hit at the, the right time or the wrong time for us to miss that meeting. Um, and so now it's been two and a half years since we've seen each other face to face. But one thing I appreciate is that we're able to connect on video chat, which is exciting. My mom's become very good at this. And about once a week or so, we connect and we, we chat for a bit. Um, and it's great. Uh, she even gets on, uh, online on Sunday mornings. Never before has she been able to be a part of our congregation on a regular basis, but I think my mom is probably even watching this morning, so hi, Mom. It's exciting to have her here. Um, And these technologies didn't exist when my mom was younger. I mean, they didn't exist like 20 years ago or so, right? Uh, There was no video chatting. There was no cell phones, no Facebook and Twitter, none of this kind of stuff. Um, but, But think about what has changed And not just in the last 20 years or so, but think about what's changed in the last 18 months. In the difficulty of this last year, we've been forced into some new things. And while we were um, video chatting before COVID, while that happened, while we had the opportunity to get online and that kind of stuff, we've become really good at this in this season. We've grown in our technological use of things. People are able to tune in on a Sunday morning. People were able to video chat with their relatives far away. I was talking with somebody else the other day who uh, there was a funeral that they couldn't attend in person, but they were able to watch it online. I don't know if there are very many funerals or weddings that were online before, but we've actually grown quite a bit in this area, and some neat things have happened in these last 18 months. I know of another couple in our church here who back at the beginning of COVID, when kind of things shut down for about three months there, um, we were doing live stream only, and, and they would sit down together, and, and they're a little bit of an older couple, but they had a cell phone, and so they sat down, and they tuned their cell phone into our live stream, and they set it between them, and they watched our services on a two-inch wide screen. Isn't that amazing? So I don't even know how big we were on the screen. We were kind of tiny. Thankfully, I think their kids bought them a smart TV for Christmas, so now they could see my beautiful big face live and and in person. It's good. Think about this last year. Think about this last year. How many things, not just technologically, but how many things have you learned to do because of the difficult season we found ourselves in? How many ways have you grown in this last year? I would venture a guess that there's actually quite a few ways that you've grown in this last year. Quite a few things that are new, and, and, and maybe even though this is a difficult season, some new and exciting things have happened in this last 18 months. 
Many of us have grown in this season. It's a weird thing, but it's very true. We grow more in the difficult seasons than we do in the easy seasons. It's weird, isn't it? It's like the grass on my front lawn. Man, I baby that grass. We put fertilizer out, and I get people to come and punch holes in the grass, and, I, and we, we rake it, and we weed it, and we take good care of it, and it just is the most stubborn grass ever, and it just hardly ever grows. But in my garden, where I do not want grass, or in the cracks of my driveway, which I have done nothing but hinder it, the grass grows. What a weird thing. Isn't that weird? Adversity often drives growth. It's strange, isn't it? But adversity often drives growth. We are in our Why series, and today we're talking about growth in adversity. Growth in the difficult seasons. I want to tell you a story from the Old Testament. It's a story about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet to the Jewish nation of Israel. He wrote a book um, that was, is appropriately called Jeremiah. He also wrote another book called Lamentations. Um, and Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. That's a terrible moniker, isn't it? Uh, the weeping prophet. Mostly because nobody listened to him. Now, people were, were hesitant often to listen to the prophets. But Jeremiah was a special case. In fact, Jeremiah was not just ignored, he was persecuted, and whenever he would give a prophecy that nobody liked, which was often, they would often throw him in prison, they threw him into a, a, a dry cistern, they just treated him really, really poorly. I, uh, Jeremiah was called to speak the prophecies of God to an obstinate and a disobedient people, this group of Israelites who were not following God at all. Jeremiah lived during a very dark time in the, the history of Israel, and he prophesied uh, as Israel was being taken into captivity, as Jerusalem was being ransacked, and as the temple of Solomon was being destroyed. That's the hat trick of terrible events, and Jeremiah was the prophet of God through all of that. And Jeremiah's prophecies reflected the time in which he lived. His prophecies were not happy prophecies. Now, to be fair, there were happy prophecies being prophesied during the time of Jeremiah, but they were mostly coming from false prophets. Now, this all happened a few thousand years ago, uh, and so I want to give you a quick recap of what was going on in the time. If you don't know about the story of Jeremiah, I want to tell you a little bit about what was happening. It was in the time of the Old Testament, and at this point in the history of Israel, the nation of Israel was divided into two separate kingdoms. Ten of the twelve tribes of Israel were a part of the northern kingdom, which took on the name the kingdom of Samaria. Two of the twelve tribes made up the southern kingdom, which took on the name the kingdom of Israel. And by Jeremiah's time, the northern kingdom had already been taken into captivity, and the wee little southern kingdom was on the brink of destruction. So here we have ten of the tribes of Israel have already gone into captivity. This little group of Israelites in the southern kingdom watched their ten, the ten tribes of their, their brothers and sisters taken off into captivity, and they watched that happen. 
Now, one of the special things about this southern kingdom was that it contained the city of Jerusalem, and within the city of Jerusalem was the temple of Solomon, the grand and amazing temple of Solomon. Two of the most important things to all of the Jewish people, the city of David, Jerusalem, and the magnificent Solomon's temple. The fact that these two icons of Israel were contained within the southern kingdom led many in that nation to believe that God would never let the southern kingdom fall. But fall it did. We can talk about the hows and the whys in, in some other sermon, but for today, all you need to know is that the southern kingdom of Israel also fell. Jerusalem was ransacked. The city of David was ransacked. The, the magnificent Solomon te- Solomon's temple was destroyed, and the last of the Jewish people were taken into captivity. Now, remember earlier that I said that some of the, there were some happy prophecies that came from false prophets during this time? In Jeremiah chapter 28, we read the story of a false prophet who told the people that the captivity of Israel would only last two years. This is what the false prophet said. He said, within two years, God would restore the southern kingdom. God would bring all the, the objects and the stuff that was taken out of the temple. He'd bring all that back to Israel. And he would reinstate the king, and he would bring back all the people. God was going to do this within two years. And that, that sounds like joyous news, doesn't it? If you were on the brink of destruction, and someone said, this is only going to last for two years, don't, don't worry. Everything's going to be turned back. We're going to go back to normal, and it's going to be fine. This will only last for two years. Just hang on. But then Jeremiah comes along. And he speaks against this false prophet. And Jeremiah stands up and said, Oh, yes, yes, that would be good news indeed. Only two years? Wow, that would be fantastic. But it's not true. Here's what Jeremiah says. And this is in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. He says, This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you, and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So Jeremiah stands up against this false prophet and says, no, not two years, not two years, 70 years. This nation will be in captivity to Babylon for 70 years. 70 years before God comes and rescues his people. Now the very next verse is a famous passage. You've heard this before. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We sometimes glibly apply this passage to our situations without understanding that this was actually a part of a prophecy that was a very difficult and hard prophecy to hear. This wasn't the happy-go-lucky prophecy that we usually think of it as. God says, not two years. You will be in captivity for 70 years. And then he says, for I know the plans I have for you. 70 years of captivity. Can you imagine if God were to show up today and say something like that? You're in a difficult season right now, and it's going to last for 70 years. 
This hard season is not going to change. It actually might feel like it gets a bit worse for 70 years. That would be hard to take, wouldn't it? I mean, we're all real hopeful right now that change is around the corner. And they were then as well. Change is around the corner. The prophets were saying, two years, change is around the corner. What if God were to say to you today, it's going to be 70 years? That's a long time. That means that every single person that heard that prophecy in Israel, every single person who was going into captivity knew they were going to die in captivity. Every single person, almost everyone. 70 years is a lifetime. If you were 20 years old, going into captivity, hearing this prophecy, 90 years old is what you were hoping for. Can I live for that long? How did the people of Israel survive that? That devastation, that hardship, that difficulty. I mean, Scripture didn't stop there. The Bible didn't stop at Jeremiah and just like, done. There's no more story of Israel. Israel's gone. No. The Israelites come back to Jerusalem and they rebuild the city and the temple and the Messiah comes in the New Testament and even 2,000 years later, there are Jewish people all over the earth right now and they are doing amazing things. The culture is vibrant and it is long-lasting. So how in the world did the Israelites survive that kind of desolation? Well, this wasn't the first time or the last time that the Israelites would experience such difficulty. From being slaves in Egypt, which is kind of like the very first thing that happened to the Israelites, being slaves in Egypt, to the Holocaust of World War II, the nation of Israel has somehow been able to find growth in adversity. Somehow they've been able to find growth in adversity. And this is where this promise in Jeremiah 29.11 fits. Not as this happy-go-lucky, divorced-from-difficulty slogan to paste on the, the bumper of our cars, but as a promise delivered in the very bowels of adversity from the God who is faithful. We cannot cherry-pick Jeremiah 29.11 out of its context. We actually lose out when we do this. Because this is not just a, a promise to the Israelites during dark days. This is a picture of the character of our God, who shows up in the most devastating of times. When God says this passage to the Israelites, he reveals to them in one of their darkest days his faithfulness, his sovereignty, his omnipotence, and his love. And those things are still true of his character today. We can hold on to this verse today, though it wasn't spoken to us. We can hold on to this verse today as a promise because we serve the very same God. The very same God who said this to the Israelites is the very same God who is our God today. The God who is faithful, the God who is sovereign, the God who is omnipotent, and the God who is loving. And the power in this verse is not as a, a glib platitude or a weak cliche, but as a promise to a people who find themselves in a devastatingly difficult situation. What did the Israelites have to hold on to? 
What could possibly hold the Israelites together and keep them from rampant depression and fear? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is faithful. The people know it. We know it. The Israelites were not living into it at this time in their history, but they had seen the faithfulness of God. I love that song we sang. I didn't know we were singing that song, uh, speaking from Habakkuk, where he says, I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories of what you've done, God. And these Israelites during the time of Jeremiah, they would have known the stories. They would have been told to them by their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents. God is faithful. God is faithful. They knew it. They may not have been living into it, but they knew it. And God is sovereign. He has not abdicated his throne. He is not in a corner weeping, saying, Woe is me, what will I do? God is in control. He is sovereign. And God is omnipotent. He is not weak. He is not powerless. He is more powerful than any other being. And God is love. He will not abandon his children. He will not abandon his children. This is what holds the Israelite people together through the most trying of times. And this is what holds us together as well. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, at the beginning of this prophecy, before God says the Jeremiah 29, 11 passage, God gives the Israelites direction as to how they should live in captivity for these 70 years. He, he tells them exactly what to do. And it's a beautiful passage. Listen to what God says. This is the beginning of the prophecy delivered by Jeremiah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and, and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You're going to be in captivity for 70 years. If you try to wait this out, hoping it will be over in two years, if you do not settle down, if you do not plant gardens, if you do not marry and have kids, if your kids do not have kids, then you're not going to survive. You're not going to survive. If you treat this like it's just a waiting out the clock type of a situation, you're not going to survive. God is telling the people to grow. Grow. Grow in captivity. Build houses. That's long-term investment right there. If you think it's only two years, you're going to set up a tent. And you're not going to occupy the land. You're just going to hang out in a corner somewhere. Maybe a lean-to in the bush. But no, build houses. Plant some gardens. Because you're going to be there long enough to reap the fruit from those gardens. Have some kids. Those are the activities of people that are living life today so that they can grow into the future. 
Living life today, not waiting. Not waiting for tomorrow. These people were getting on with living today. Remember back when the nation of Israel was under slavery in Egypt? Do you remember what the, one of the biggest complaints Pharaoh had as he looked at the, the, the Israelite people? One of the biggest complaints Pharaoh had of the Israelite people is they keep growing. There's so many of them. They keep multiplying. You got to, well, I mean, Pharaoh ends up killing the babies, right? Because he's like, they're just having, they're, they're having so many babies. And then, and then when, he, when he said we're going we're gonna to go and kill all the babies, the, the, they had babies faster. Isn't that amazing? Keep on growing, God says. In adversity, grow. And once God gives the, the Israelites this direction to go and to build houses, to plant gardens, to, to have kids, this is what he says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back at the pla- to the place from which I carried you into exile. What a promise from God. What a promise from God. Live life today. Grow in adversity today so that I can rescue you tomorrow. So that, I, so that there's somebody to rescue. If you, if you had that kind of promise, man, I mean, the whole world could turn upside down and you would still be able to stand true if you trusted in the faithfulness of God. The whole world could turn upside down. And you say, you know what? God is bigger. And the good news is that you and I do have that kind of promise. That God, that God who knows the plans he has for the Israelites also knows the plans he has for you. That God who knows that his plans are to prosper the Israelites and not to harm them is the God who says that his plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. His plans are to give you hope and a future. That God is our God. The one who has proven himself faithful who is sovereign, who is omnipotent, who is loving, that God is our God who meets us in our adversity. He doesn't always stop the bad things from happening. He doesn't always stop the bad things from happening. Oh man, I, I, I would be the first to say, God, I, I might just like to live a squeaky clean, easy life. That might be really good, just sitting on my duff. That'd be fun. But God also knows that there is something that happens in adversity. And while he doesn't cause the adversity, man, he does some amazing things in the midst of it. Even in the most difficult of times, God knows the plans he has for us. And we don't find ourselves in the most difficult time in history. Let's not pretend like this is one of the most difficult times in history. It it is not that. But, but things have been better. 
Certainly things have been better. But even in this time, though it may not be the most difficult time, but it is difficult, even in this time, God's plan includes you and me growing in this difficult place, living life today, not waiting for something for tomorrow. Don't let this be a time where you decrease. Don't fall back. Don't cower. Don't hide your light. I don't know if you found this to be true, but if you found that you've kind of put your life on pause a little bit. I know there's many times over these last 18 months I feel like I've put my life on pause, just waiting. Just waiting for things to go back to normal. Just waiting for the first wave to get done and the second wave and third wave and the fourth wave and goodness gracious, waiting, waiting, waiting. I mean, to be real honest with you, we were gearing up in August for fall to be the fall that would end all falls. It would be amazing. And not like the bad kind of a fall, but like this beautiful fall, autumn. This time of like breakthrough and coming through and all the stuff happening and And then when the mask mandate came back on and the fourth wave came back on, I was like, oh, goodness gracious. But God has not called us to just wait for the next thing, but to live for today. Stop putting your life on pause. Live life today. Grow. Increase. Multiply. Now, we've had a bunch of babies born in the last 18 months. I can't hardly keep up. Some of you are on baby, COVID baby number two. Good job. <laughs> Some of you started up new jobs, new careers, things that never would have been heard of before. You lost your job 18 months ago, and it seemed devastating at the time, but now you're like, I'm in the best job of my life. Some of you have built gardens. The, 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 the renovation that have gone, off, gone on in people's homes in these last 18 months has been amazing. People have been building homes, planting gardens, having babies. Be like that grass that just keeps growing in the cracks of my driveway. Be like that grass. When adversity strikes, set your feet firmly on the promises of God. Live life today. Start today and grow. Listen, these are not the worst of times right now, but I get it. Not everyone is experiencing these times in the same way. And for some people, you might be sitting here today, you might be watching online, and you might be saying, but Pastor Greg, you don't know how hard this has been. And I, I, you're right. I don't know how hard it's been. And for some, this has been an easier time. For some, this has been a tragically difficult time. And I get it. I get it. And I've been looking around during these difficult times and I've seen some amazing growth and I've also seen some very difficult spaces for people. And if you're in one of those very difficult spaces, I have compassion for you. I really do. I do. And you're called to live today. You're called to live today. I've also seen some very terrible behaviors. I've seen people shrink and shrivel up in fear and anxiety and worry. And you're also called to start living today. You're also called to say goodbye to fear. I was with a, a family who are grieving their mother who is passing away right now. 
and the mother was, was struggling with some fear and, and the daughter just said, I just prayed against it and she said, I, I kicked fear out the door. If you're struggling with fear and worry, it's time to kick it out of the door and it's time to start living today. You may need to write Jeremiah 29.11 on your bathroom mirror and remind yourselves that God knows the plans He has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Stand firm on His promises and live life today. See, the devil is trying all he can to steal and kill and destroy in this time. But take your stand against the devil and don't do it alone. Get together with other believers and stand against his schemes. Stand firm on the promises of God. And I know it's not easy. Growth and adversity is hard, man. It's hard to grow when things are hard. It's hard. But it's what we're built for. It's what we're built for. I've seen other terrible behaviors. Some people in this difficult time have turned to rebelliousness. And I want you to listen carefully here because it is... It's good to stand up for what is right and what is good and what is true and to stand against evil. And there's a lot of that happening today. There's a lot of people standing up for what is true and right and good and standing against evil, and I applaud that. But some have partnered with a rebellious spirit that is not of God. And I, ta- I challenge you to test the spirits. Test the spirits If in your stance for what is right, you are prone to anger and rage and division, it might not be of God. Just going to say that. If in your stance for what is right, you are prone to anger, rage, and division, it might not be of God. In fact, I don't think it is. I'm saddened by, by what I see happening in the broader Christian community. I see a lot of anger and hatred and division within the body of Christ. And this is so the opposite of what God wants. In this difficult, difficult time when our communities are crying out for some kind of light, throats, it is just not what it's supposed to be. And sometimes we disagree on things. And actually, it's really good to disagree on things. And you guys have heard me say this many times before. It would be terrible to have a church full of Greg's. That would be horrible. I don't like myself that much at all to have a full room full of Greg's. And so we need to disagree on some things. And we need to have different ideas. And we need to have some healthy conflict because that's a good thing. It's good for us to have different stances, ideological and philosophical stances on things. But let us not partner with a rebellious spirit which just seeks to divide the body of Christ. There's this interesting piece in this prophecy from Jeremiah 29. And I want you to just pay real special attention to the, this is one of the the verses that, that God speaks. In Jeremiah 29, 7, this is what God says, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now get what God is saying here. You've got to understand what God is saying here. God says, in the place where you've been taken into exile, when you are surrounded by the people who are taking you captive, 
the people who are currently hurting you. Pray for the prosperity of them. Pray for their prosperity. Pray for peace over the city that has put you into slavery. That's backwards. It's the upside-down kingdom again. Many years later, Jesus would say it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, I know this is a hard thing, especially in the middle of difficulty, but this is who we are. We do hard things. We do hard things. We do not shy away when God says, pray for those that persecute you, love your enemies. It's a hard thing, but we do it. We stand up and we grow in adversity. We live life today. We love our enemies and we do hard things because we are standing on the promise of God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And friends, I know this is not easy. No difficulty is easy. But we have a choice how we are going to respond in this time. Are we going to trust in Jesus and grow in adversity? Or, or are we going to allow the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy? You know, there's an old saying that goes something like this. What day is the best day to plant a tree? Does anybody know? Y- yesterday. <laughs> you guys all said today. That's good. <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday is the best day to plant a tree. What's the second best day? Today. Today. That's right. Today is the best day, the second best day to plant a tree. So what trees are you planting today? What grass is going to grow? What gardens are you planting? How are you going to start living your life today? Today. So we can move into the future. We're going to have prayer people up here. After we close off the service, you want to come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you. You're invited as well to our roundtable discussion after the service, which we're going to be focusing on how we can grow in adversity. So we want to live life today. I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your promises. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So God, we, I, I just, I just, we stand against the enemy right now who wants to bring death and destruction. We say no to his schemes in your powerful name, Jesus Christ. We just kick him out the door. We kick him out the door. Fear, be gone. Anxiety, be gone. Worry, be gone. And we say yes and amen, Jesus, to your plans. For you know the plans you have for us, and they're good, and you are faithful. 
And so Jesus, just over your, the, your body here, your people, I just declare again that we would step into your plans for us. We would not cower. We would not hold back. But we would live. We would live. We trust in you, Jesus. We don't trust in our chariots. We don't trust in, in, in our, our plans. We don't trust in our government's plans. We don't trust in all these things, Lord. Though we're thankful, Lord, for you putting people in place to make plans. But ultimately, we're not trusting in any of those things. We're trusting in your plans. And so may you be honored and glorified, Jesus, as your people draw together in unity and seek your face. We love you, Jesus. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Lead us and encourage us and strengthen us. Help us to become battle-ready and stand strong against the enemy. Yeah. Help us to grow, God, in adversity. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your very powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ, and then make him known.